welcome to the episodio número 21 of Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. My name is Richie and here I have. Here's David. How are you, Richie? Good, man. Good. We know in the middle of the week, it's already about to be fall. So the weather should be getting good here in Texas. Hopefully that's what we're hoping for. It's, so it's really hot here. The degrees are going to be dropping yeah. from 100 to maybe 98, 99. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. And uh, today we have a, a very special guest. Like very special guest. All of our special guests. Um, it's, it's a guest that he actually has experienced uh, professional soccer personally. Um, he played for the Houston Dynamo and the Portland Timbers. And our guest for this evening is... Michael Chabala. How you doing to And DC United, you missed that. DC yeah, United DC too. Also. Portland, yeah, Houston, yeah, yeah. DC. Not who's counting, you know? Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, even Austin Aztecs, hey, I, I saw too. Say, <laughs> hey, not, hey, who never know, man? I can yeah. come out of retirement, but I love the music, the intro music, man. I've been on a lot of podcasts, but that was the first one I felt like dancing to, so I like it. I like it already. That's good. Thank, Thank, you, Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, We have to give thanks to Como Las Movies. Como That's las the movies. band. Yes. We'll send you the video of them later. <laughs> so whenever, as you're driving, you can listen Sounds to it good. and I'll get you hyped up. So, um, Michael, um, first of all, you know, we want to ask you how you're doing, uh, in this, in this tough times nowadays, how's life for you? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here, man. I'm, I'm grateful for another day. As I mentioned, today's always a great day, man. I always like to, well, the moment I wake up, you know, I'll give, give thanks and, you know, just kind of start my, my day with gratitude is kind of my daily practice. Um, besides my push ups and planks just to keep the body right. But yeah, man, I love to love to just say, you know, I know it's a challenging time for a lot of people and, you know, but at the end of the day, man, I'm, I'm here and I'm grateful to spend some time with you today. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no, thank, thank you, you for being here. Thank you for being here and taking the time, man. We appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the tough time is actually on, on both sides because, Dynamo is not doing good and Austin FC is not doing good as well. What, what do you think of that aspect? Hey, well, the, the Dynamo, the, I mean, I'm, I'm making a play for general manager or if not to the, uh, to assist. So I think brighter, brighter days are ahead for, for the Dynamo. I mean, I think Austin FC gets a little bit of a, of a get out of jail free pass as an expansion club. Um, it's always high expectations for a new city when they have a team coming in. And mm -hmm. of course, everybody's hungry for um, wins and success, but you know, traditions and um, successful organizations take time. Mm -hmm. And with the dynamo, uh, you know, I think it's a different circumstance. Um, and I think it's been a long time coming of a lot of issues and areas that have been overlooked by um, you know, hirings and new people and, you know, different ideas, but I, I like to think that this is going to be a very pivotal moment in the club's history and turning the organization back around of, uh, where we left it. Yeah, it's good. Cause you were part of the, uh, so you, you're part of the, the team that won the two, two seasons in a row when they first came in. Is that correct? Yeah, back-to-back -back championships uh, in 06 and 07. I, uh, I was drafted from the University of Washington to San Jose Earthquakes at the time, which then was purchased uh, by De La Hoya, by the Brenner Group, by um, AEG, and brought to Houston, Texas, where, you know, we, we really launched 
I would say soccer again in, uh, you know, the South, right. Bringing, bringing soccer to Houston, you know, having a professional organization in one of the best cities in uh, what I believe in the country. So yeah, I was fortunate to be, be a part of that. You know, those are the best guys and, and a team, you know, that I think will go down in history, you know, for winning back-to-back championships and, you know, what they were all able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I, uh, I lived in Houston for, for a while and then, I remember whenever we heard about the Dynamo coming in and how it was, it was something that it, 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 was, it was, it was a very similar feeling, but I, I lived in, I lived in Galveston, which is about a narrow way, but it was something that I didn't really like, I, I come from where, you know, Mexico city where America is from. So, so I, I, I was, you know, there there was a soccer team there. So whenever the, the team came here, my first thought was America is about to make the investment and bring the team to Houston. That was my first thing because Chivas was already in LA. So. Right, right, right. But luckily that didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> because then yeah, you I, guess- think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of exciting things that are happening with, you know, uh, the Mexican league and, you know, American league and just, you know, more opportunities to play against each other. Um, I was having a, a golf match with Stuart Holden and we were talking a little bit cause I was asking him, you know, his ears to the ground, you know, and, um, I think some pretty exciting things when you, when you look at the opportunities for both leagues to start to interact. And obviously you're seeing that with, um, you know, the all-star game and having some of the, the pros be able to like start to mix. So I think it's, I think it's a bright future ahead for, for both leagues. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Chaparro? So, so you're saying that you would like to, to both uh, leagues to, to come uh, as a one or, 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 or what do you think? I don't think that they're ever going to become one. I think that there can potentially be an American winner and a Mexican winner and then them potentially playing together. Um, okay. I think something like that is very realistic. Um, and again, it just, You know, we, we, the Superliga, there's CONCACAF, there's obviously lots of other uh, tournaments that, you know, yeah. we're creating and opportunities to play. Um, but I think that that's something that, that we'll see probably more of and more opportunities to mix both markets. Okay. And, um, what, uh, no, I have a question because I think uh, there was a game against Monterrey back in the late 2000s. <laughs> were you in that game when there was a big fight? <laughs> I I was there. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> every international game, you know, that the club really like minus uh, open cup championship, you know, I was, I was a part of, so yeah, I mean, I've experienced um, the game with Pachuca. I think it was, we also played Monterrey where, you know, I think it was, we went down to like eight on nine players and huh. we had like five red cards. Yes. And, uh, Jo- oh my goodness, man. <laughs> Joseph Nguyenia Joseph chipped the goalie and he took it off his chest right there on the goal line. Just uh. embarrassing. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I've, I've watched a few <laughs> games. I've played in a few games. And, um, you know, I've seen I've seen the good and the bad with the club. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, and so on your upbringings, whenever you, you know, you decided to become a soccer player, when when did you first have that idea on your mind of, you know what, yeah. this is what I want to do. Yeah. Kindergarten or pre, no, it was kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten. It was kindergarten. And so I don't know, maybe like three, four, four, five years old. I played in my first recreational bunch ball soccer game that, you know, every parent throws their kids in because it's cute and you get the orange slices and you wear the big, big 
shorts and oversized shirt because you're so small and everybody's running around and stuff. I just fell in love, man. I loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. I mean, and after that, man, I laid my soccer jersey out on the floor, shoes polished, like made the whole uniform look super nice, you know, and couldn't sleep the night before. And I just, man, I, God gave me a burning desire to, to, uh, to play and to, um, you know, to, to, to give me a vehicle to be able to, you know, use for the rest of my life and to be able to help people come together now. So it's been, it's been a blessing. That's good. That's good. And, um, what position do you prefer to play? Um, Go goalie. I was a, I liked goalie <laughs> when I was a little kid, man. Couldn't, and I was, but I, uh, I, I midfield was my favorite. Um, and anywhere on the field, really, I mean, played, I played every position from, you know, growing up and high school and, Olympic development programs, national teams. I mean, in college, I played center midfield. Um, and then when I became a pro and moved to Houston, um, you know, I went and played left, left midfield because there was no, nobody really over there at the time behind Brad. And then, you know, Wade was then by himself and there was behind him. So then I played left back and he got hurt and that was my first chance. So I just took whatever position I could get. Right. That's good um, because a lot of the times it's like in soccer, you have players that, no, I'm not going to play. I know I'm just going to stick to my position. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then you get cut off the team and uh, that makes you uncoachable. And, and, uh, and again, man, you know, I've, I've always been a yes man, figure out where I need to go and what I need to do. I mean, there's players, right? Like Messi. And of course you just know where to put them, you know, it's right. a spot. I mean, you know, there's certain players that just have a, you know, a physical attribute or a skill that, you know, it makes sense of where to put them or how to place them within a team. But for me, I've just very tidy for the most part, played simple, you know, had a great engine, could run all day, but I was always passing the ball off to other guys to, to, to set up the game rather than to, to dribble through. So it was easy for me to, to find that spot. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. Well, I, I always, I never play pro, obviously, but I, I usually my position is center mid, and 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 I have played uh, not left back, but I left mid, and I can I can uh, kind of see what what you're saying that uh, it's it's easier just to give the ball to somebody to to score or whatever uh, than than actually doing myself. Um, what uh, on a day to the day uh, as a soccer player. Um, how is it like, like from, from start to finish, like what do you have to do to, in order to become a pro? Like what exactly do you do to, to become a pro? I mean, that's a big question, you know, to become a pro. I mean, you got to do things that nobody else is willing to do. Now it's even you know, more arduous for young players to make it to the top level because of the competition, because of the international uh, view of the league, the money, that now is there so it's tremendously challenging you know kids need to be able to separate themselves play on the best teams you know really be willing to put themselves in scenarios of you know situations that they would never imagine um whether that be playing multiple times a day you know having a really strict diet watching tons of games you know getting lucky being identified and scouted at the right time playing well at the right time Um, but really giving yourself yourself every chance for success. And as a young child, there's so many things that can happen, um, whether it's girls, alcohol, whether it's burnout, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, geographically 
challenge because there's no great teams or clubs around you to be identified. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I think just from like, as a pro, you know, I'd say this, like, it's easier to get there. It's harder to stay. And, you know, there's always somebody chomping at your, your foot to, to try and take your spot and, you know, constantly staying sharp and motivated. But, you know, for me, my success of becoming a pro was a mixture between hard work and luck. Um, at the same time, I also had good, um, checkpoints and that came from really good mentors and coaches that would help me identify where I needed to go next, you know, and saying, Hey, this is the next checkpoint for you. Mm -hmm. And they've seen it happen because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And the same for me in business now is that I, I'm, I'm, I've taken it so far, you know, with, uh, with hard work and luck and, you know, dedication and, but that only gets you to here. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's that whole nother level that you didn't even know you needed to unlock in that video game. But then when you get there, like, puta, how am I going to get up there? You know, I mean, but that's, that's the reality of the situation for young kids. And, and, you know, for me, the, the business side for what I'm doing now. Hopefully that answers it, but it's hard to quantify. It's hard to measure. It's hard to put your finger on one thing. Like, how does it happen? How does it work? And and, and that's crazy that that you're saying all of that, because on top of that, you have to train a lot, you know? And that's like I mean, that's, the main thing. That's the easy part. <laughs> right. The training part's easy. Everybody trains. <laughs> yes. Everybody trains. Everybody goes to practice. Everybody plays high school. Everybody has to go three times a week. Everybody plays a game. Everybody does that. Right. So in life, how are you going to separate yourself if you're doing everything that everything everybody else is doing already? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, perhaps you are, ge- you know, genetically gifted or you're, you know, talented in some special way, but that only still gets you so far. And I think that's something in life that everybody needs to just step back and think about and realize that if you ever want to achieve something that's outside of yourself or something that you're thinking of, you have to be willing to do things that, you know, nobody else is willing to do. And, and usually that happens when nobody is watching. And a lot of people like to use social media these days to highlight themselves or their play. But the truth is, you want to be working in the dark and making sure that nobody sees it so that when it is time, you don't want to give anybody the competitive advantage over yourself. Right. So right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war, man. And then, you know, every single day you got to show up and be ready to play. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what were the, like, if you don't have to answer this question, but like you mentioned this part of in the dark, that's when you got to do something for whenever you have to do something in the light, like you're ready to compete. Amen. What are the things that you, you say you, you have done like in the dark that nobody else was able to see on a day-to-day basis from Mike Chabala? My favorite quote that I always would recite to myself, would remember, had on my wall was bent over, drenched in sweat at the point of exhaustion when nobody else is watching. Mm-hmm. And so I always pictured myself training in the worst case scenario because that is what I don't, I'm excuse my language, mom, but I was fucked up like in my head. Like I had this sick idea that if it was snowing, I'm going for a five mile run when it was raining and nobody was training. I'm out there in the middle of the field. Like I wanted to make sure that I was doing everything when everybody else was doing the opposite. When people were partying, I got, I got excited when they were going out for their friends, birthday parties. That's when I went to work. And I mean, 
you know, I used to go to high school soccer, uh, high school uh, basketball open gym with the basketball team at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. I used to go, you know, run and do my workouts at 5, 5, 30 a.m. I never drank in high school. I never smoked in high school. I never partied in high school. I didn't go to dance in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I set my, my, my watch on Eastern Standard Time. I lived in California. So I was three hours ahead and I lived like I, li- I, li- I was on the East coast. I lived like I was on the East coast. Oh, so I was always thinking if somebody's up right now mm-hmm. in Miami or New York or wherever, and they're working, then they're getting ahead. I always said, I want to be the hardest working player in the country. Mm-hmm. And I say the world, I can't measure, but like I could control certain things. And I always viewed myself saying, what are the things that I can control? And, and two things I always live by in my life. You can control how hard you work and you can control your attitude. And those things I always measured based off of like what I was doing. But, you know, if there's a specific story, I don't know, man, my mom probably has more, to be honest with you. It's all blurred out at this point. But Mm -hmm. I think some of the ones of like running in the snow and, um, you know, getting up super early every single day and training um, before driving two hours of Friday, all that stuff is staying after, you know, I always train 20 minutes before practice and 20 minutes after, mm-hmm. like every time kind of believe in that 1% rule, right? Like if you're 1% better every single day, it just adds up. Right. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot, man. It, it, it's, it's a lot. It's just a lot of people think it's easy, but there's just countless hours of time that unfortunately is not guaranteed mm-hmm. regardless of the work that you do. And, you know, that's, that's the reality of the situation and what you're working towards. And then that's, you just say something that, that makes a lot of sense. It's you're doing something that is not guaranteed. Um, and, and that's true because a lot of times, even, even with us, when we yeah. play with our friends, we, we think of, we don't think of stuff like that. We, we go to a field that is you know, like dusty or it's, you know, uneven. And yeah. we're crying about like, Oh my God, my ankle hurts because this field is not right. But we, we, we don't know that. Hey, I mean, you have to, like you said, you know, you have to train and always think of the worst case scenario. And a lot of the times people, whenever they put in themselves in the situation, even in life in general is they always think of the best scenario but I'll never think of the worst case scenario because nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I always played like, you know, my back was up against the wall, you know, like there was no options. There was no get out of jail free card. There was no tomorrow, you know, it was now. And I mean, I came from a very, you know, modest family, um, parents didn't go to college. They didn't have a lot. And I mean, it was really one way out or the other. And for me, that's, you know, when you, when I was being, when I was old enough to realize the reality of my own situation, that I would go to a city college and pay for my own education, or I would have to get a full scholarship. That was my only option. I had to get a full scholarship. And when you're put in those situations and when you can realize that, And that's the hardest part is realizing that. And sometimes it's too late for kids because they've been spoiled or because they've been sheltered or they haven't traveled or they haven't had their ass kicked. Like that's the point where they're, they're at a disadvantage. And for me, I lived in Austria for two years off and on Mm -hmm. at eight, eight, at eight years old, I was over there. My parents flew. I mean, I was identified. I was playing for a pro team in their academy system, but like that opened my eyes. 
Mm-hmm. And I got to see like the real world. And, um, and that's, that's been the difference of me and, and just as a human being. And more importantly, just for my profession and my career was understanding that, you know, life's not free. It's not guaranteed. And you're going to have to work for whatever it is that you want to get. And being able to be exposed to that competitive environment at such an early age, which I think is starting to finally happen here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really yeah. positive place for us to be. Yeah, that's good because I know like in Latin America, there's that structure was there's a more competition. Yeah. But the thing is, like, say, whenever I think of Latin America and I think of soccer is I think of sometimes pure talent, but the hard work is not there. Yeah. Um, we we don't so it's like backwards. In a right. Way. Yeah. Like sometimes we, we're afraid to to feel exposed. We're we're, yeah. we're afraid to uh, like say to do something different to 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 think differently. We we always want to go with the the flow, and like you know, and in especially like see like when I see soccer like Mexican soccer and I see the Mexican players. Why there's not there's not a lot of players that go to Europe. A lot of it's just because they would rather stay like in Mexico and Monterrey or you know in America and. Yeah. You stars, but they don't want to go compete in Getafe or Villarreal or a low, you know, a lower level team in, in Spain where, I mean, gradually they can move up if they can make it or they stay constant or consistent. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their own appetite. Um, I I can't speak to a lot of those players. I mean, I remember Luis Landin came to the Houston Dynamo to play and was a very big mama's boy, you know? I mean, he was a baby. I mean, a great guy, man. A great guy, but I call him un bebe because he would always be talking to his mommy and I'm like, man, you know, I mean, great, great player, but, you know, loved his empanadas and loved to just, you know, not take care of himself and it's just a different culture. Now, I will say, I mean, and the Mexican national team is amazing, you know, and the, the level is fantastic, but culturally it's much different and um and i'm not saying that now because you know I'm, I'm not mexican and i've never truly lived in in mexico besides you know my short vacation visits but everybody has an appetite some people maybe want to some players might want to play for america you know that was always their dream so going over abroad wasn't a case they might have a family already they might have you know so everybody's situation is different but I mean, good example is like Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he barely went over to Everton for a while, right? I mean, he had mm-hmm. every opportunity as like one of the best American soccer players to be over there. Yeah. But that wasn't something that he really wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, playing in LA Galaxy and being here was something that he really desired. So it's hard to point the finger for, for you know, specific reasons. But for what you're saying, as far as the athleticism and the technical side, I think that's always been something that... Um, is very stereotypical of both American players and Mexican uh, uh, style of play. I do think one thing that's benefiting both countries, or even even like Central America, yeah. I've seen it a lot now in these past couple of years, is the the fact that um, every time a Mexican team has to play against an MLS team, there's a level of def- like of physicality that they have to come up like they have to step up their game and it can't just be like a oh we're gonna play a, a friendly game no they have to really play because uh, the MLS teams like if you look at whenever they're playing sometimes the MLS is right in the middle of the season and the Mexican you know league teams are just starting their season mm-hmm. so 
it, it brings up another another level of competition like and it, it makes it better because now you have better passings but there's also quicker and a, and a, a lot more physical especially when you go body to body and that's something that in, in the past is, is kind of you really didn't see that so i would say the the benefit that we have seen is the growth of of this side how it's impacting the the, the other side the other side yeah I mean, it's, it's iron sharpens iron and that's the truth. And the reality is like, you know, when you play games, why do, you know, why do the women's teams want to play higher men's teams, you know, cause they want to challenge themselves and, you know, play against players that are faster and stronger. It's, it's, it's now happening in our leagues and it's only making us as a continent better, you know, and to be able to see like the strength of the MLS grow and actually, you know, Mexican teams actually starting to take, our, our league seriously because a lot of their teammates and friends are actually coming here now and, you know, playing major roles mm-hmm. and, you know, let's be honest, like our standard as a country is, is gone up. Mm-hmm. And so that, and it's only going to continue. So for them to discredit our country, like maybe in the past is foolish and no longer, I think part of the conversation. And I think mm-hmm. that we, as a, as a country now have a seat at the table and you're seeing that from our, our league play and people for that. But yeah, I agree with you on the, on the, on the mutual benefits, benefits for, um, you know, obviously Mexican teams, but also American clubs. Mm-hmm. Because what do you, what do you see on, on, on the Central America side? It's, it's a little, a lot more lower than, than, than what we can see here in the MLS and in Mexico, obviously. Um, but there's a lot of talent. That's the thing. Um, but if they just, uh, do that, uh, one step that the different level that he's saying that that they have to get to 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 be that type of uh, league and 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 players, I feel like if, if they had that mentality, uh, you will hear a lot more about you know teams like Alianza and Fast from from Central America. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that that really bothers me um, is whenever I hear on TV, I hear a lot of the times you know where there is where there is uh, the conca champions or it's the, you know the the qualifiers for the world cup or even the gold cup ah this is another gold cup like they don't they don't give credit to the players they don't give credit to you know to the teams for for competing but i feel like the more you compete the more things are going to get better i mean even if it's within within this region the the more you expose yourself to to playing against each other, the more you're gonna learn about each other's tactics, mm-hmm. and and I, I just I just get mad and, and I get frustrated every time I I watch TV and I I just hear how oh it's another Conca Champions you know team or it's another like no like it's soccer like you know like you it's another tournament like it's another beat. tournament yeah. like it's another another way to 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 figure out how can things improve in, in every aspect, especially in our region. Because we look at, it, we look at Europe so much and it's fine. Like we look up South America so much, but we, we don't give enough credit to, to our region. And I think we should, and whatever you know, the U S and Mexico are doing, it's, it's starting to help out our side of the world. Yeah, I mean, but like you, you saw some of the matches in Gold Cup. I mean, there was a lot of close games. Even the Mexico, um, they played in Dallas. Who they played against that was close? Was it Honduras? No, it was uh, El Salvador. Know, was it? And there was El Salvador. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying like, 
there's a lot of, there's a lot of close competition. And I think it just overall is great for our continent and, and the game, you know, to like have more respect, you know, and I think that's just Mm -hmm. Americans paying more attention and understanding what it actually is rather like, Oh, it's a gold cup. Like who cares? Okay. Next, you know, where this actually like means something, right. These teams are going to see each other in qualifying. Like this is a big opportunity to, you know, kind of see the competition and, you know, where is our team? Who is the starting lineup going to be? But that just comes with time that comes with experience. It comes with, you know, our country having more knowledge and having a, you know, more interest in our, our, our team, you know? And I think that what's really exciting is that we finally have a, a youthful fun group, um, you know, that I think is giving, you know, the American soccer community, even outside of it, something to talk about. So I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, one question regarding American, you know, the soccer here in America, the, do you feel, um, Landon Donovan, uh, how, how much did he, like, would you say how much was his impact in the, in the league and in the country in, in American soccer overall? Because I feel like there has been very good players, but, but I feel like he had something different and a lot of players picked up from that. And then, and then, uh, and there, and, and it, it just, it became the, the way of America play now, ever since Landon Donovan, it, it, uh, like it changed for the, for the good. Like it became more tactical, more of a, you know, let's, let's pass it around and let's, let's make them come to us. And we play with the ball as they're running around. What, what do you think about I mean, him? I mean, he's one of the best players that I've ever played against, to be honest with you. So, I mean, he was the one of the most challenging. He was, he was electric, um, versatile. He was, I mean, savvy. I mean, he was, he was, he was it. I mean, he elevated the game around, um, around him. You know, he made players better. Um, and I mean, as a, as a opponent, we talk about like sharpening iron, sharpening iron. And like, like you play against a big club, like you play up against him, you know, like you, you raise your standard. So, no, I mean, I think he raised the level of this league and, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I think our, our country benefited and I think every, you know, season period, but there's like these little shelves, you know, that kind of say, okay, this is the new benchmark, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the new level, right? Whether that's, you know, the first major league soccer stadium and then, you know, maybe a higher salary cap and then you know, Lennon Donovan era or David Beckham joins the league, you know, like salary caps. I mean, it's just like one little benchmark after another that our, that our country is, is okay. Now we're here, you know? And then it's like, okay, we're not going back to where we were. Now we're going to keep going up. And he was one of those benchmarks in my opinion for, um, for our country and league. Country and league. I mean, yeah, I agree too. I feel like uh, he was one of the players that elevated the MLS. So, yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, I read that you, well, you pretty much were, uh, move a lot from team to team, uh, whenever you were a pro, um, yeah. and, 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 and there was a special, I guess, a treatment treatment that you were getting from MLS. What do you think the, the players are getting now? Do you think it's the same as when you were playing pro? Much better, much better, much better, much better. Yeah. Much better. I mean, I think for where the league was and for what was happening, I think it was still really good. But I think that at the end of the day, like 
our league has, has changed so much and just talk about the financial side of things for just a second. You know, like my first contract was $17,000 wow. a, a year, Dang. a year. That's crazy. And then my second contract was $19,000. Now, and I was not because I was a bad player, but that was the minimum contract as like a developmental player. Mm-hmm. And then if you were good and you got a, like you got a, a junior roster spot, that was $27,000. <laughs> like I can go work at in and out and make more money than that yeah, and get benefits and bonuses and all the rest of it and free in and out. So like <laughs> the reality of it is uh, for as professional as they could be, during the time that you know I was doing that probably um, yeah every transition and trade was a unique experience but um, you know I'm definitely better for it and have actually created you know my future because of it and um, when as you were playing um, did you ever have uh, I would say a moment where you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give up or, or this is not me or mm-hmm. we always, you know, especially when you were traded, you know what, you know, you know what, I'm going to like keep pushing to make an impact on the next team I go to, or how was it like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was playing my best football in Portland in 2011 when I got traded from Houston to Portland and I scored. Um, one of my only two goals, um, against David Beckham, LA galaxy was like, man, of the match ESPN. I mean, I was like, it was my best, best, best year, um, as the player and just overall. And I, you know, that off season, I asked for a raise, you know, I was only on like 60,000 and all everybody else in the field was like 150, 250, you know, like, they're, like these are starters. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I was like, I want a new contract. And, um, you know, it was when John Spencer was going through his own, uh, contracts and you know, it, it's business. And I had signed a contract. Like I just, I had a very poor contractual, um, career. And so I was just in a, in a, not in a poor position to negotiate and long story short, it didn't happen. I think that's when I realized I, I started becoming jaded and I started to change my opinion and I started to real look at life a little bit different, but my pivotal moment was when my grandfather passed away mm-hmm before my 30th birthday and um you know flew back to california dc united was you know making a good run for in the playoffs um i was playing a little bit in and out you know um and i went back and you know ben olsen was like hey man just stay at home like we're good you know take care of your family and i i and once he passed away that was like the big eye opener Mm -hmm. and then when i when i turned 30 i uh I realized I was like, my time's, my time's running out. Like I was like, it's my, I, I mentally, the Portland thing was where I, like it started where I realized like, I need to start thinking about what else is next. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just knew that I couldn't continue to keep living like this and just was looking ahead in the future. And I always, for whatever reason said to myself, I'd rather retire early than late. I saw players before me in the locker room at the Houston Dynamo play till their very last legs. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just never wanted to be in that situation. Like I, I, I commend them. I think they're admirable for being able to treat their body the way they did and play for so long. Like I'm 37 now. And I remember Craig Weibel was probably the same age. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that guy. I can't imagine running around and playing a 90 minute game right now. I'm like, there's no way. Right. But, um, at the end, I, I just, I'd always dreamt of being in, you know, in, in business and doing something outside of football. So, and I, I'm grateful that God, 
you know, gave me another path and forced me out through some of the experiences that I had to help me be exactly where I am today. Mm -hmm. And then from that, that's when you, um, you started to open up your business and when did the, the idea of sphere club came into your mind at first? Yeah. So, so it's just sphere. Um, the Instagram is sphere.club just because the website is sphere.club and it's a bit serendipitous just, um, but the name of the company is sphere. And, you know, I, 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 I was getting ready to turn 30 and, you know, I was with the dynamo and I was playing, Um, trying to get re-signed. I went back for a year and then it was the second season after I went back from DC and it was long story short, my contract wasn't picked up on the last day of preseason. And I went to New York and I, uh, I was like, man, I, I need to stay in shape. I was visiting my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, long story short, I went to like a spin class. I went to yoga class. I went to a CrossFit class. I went to a boxing class. I was like, man, this is cool. Like I was trying to stay in shape. I was like, is there anything for soccer? And they're like, mm. I mean, there's indoor <laughs> facilities. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, and then, you know, I always wanted, I always wanted music, you know, when I played, like I always, I hated the halftime or the warmups. They were always playing ads at Robertson stadium and stuff. And I was like, man, like give me some pump up music. So you go for a run and work out in the gym. You're always listening to music, but like for soccer, you never do. And so mm -hmm. I, my, my, the concept for me, kind of came organically through in my transition. And then what really, I, I lived, it's a crazy story and it's going to be another podcast or another book and another time. But like I was in Hawaii living there mm -hmm. after my, after I left the dynamo after a preseason and I turned up, I, I, I left and I just really started having these callings. Um, I started having these, these, these visions. Um, and it was, it was fear. And, Um, anyways, like I, I, I came back and started going through a really, uh, really challenging transition, you know, alcohol, depression, um, identity, and I was missing friendships. I had no friends. Um, I had no money. Mm -hmm. I had no girlfriend cause I couldn't have any money to take her out on a date <laughs> or go date. So like, you know, I was yeah. in a really tough spot, man. And I, I, I missed the locker room and sphere is a story of my career, my experiences, um, and also my struggle, uh, that I selfishly needed to figure out how to save myself. And that was through soccer inspired fitness and bringing people and community together while simultaneously trying to keep myself in shape to potentially go back and play. Um, so I was envisioning a, a spin room but for like a soccer facility you know like this lights down music up really cool sexy experience mm -hmm. um and you know i created it and through like the course of the business it's changed over the past six seasons six years and you know it's it's a it's been a it's been a blessing but my my career my story has literally that was my preseason to what i'm doing right now and i And, you know, you just don't see what's happening. You know, it's like, God, like you might take somebody out of your life or change something or close a door and, you know, move you around and make you, but like, there's just like this bigger picture that you don't see. And, you know, the only thing is to walk, you know, faithfully forward, you know, and just trust that there's, there's something greater on the other side. And it's, it's really hard to do. And it's really hard for me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, 
you know, I'm still here and I'm, I'm in a place where I'm impacting a lot of people's lives and, um, and still being able to touch the ball and, and enjoy the beautiful game. That's cool. That's good. It's, yeah. it's good. Um, cause one thing that it caught my attention, cause I remember seeing something about, about sphere, I, I, back in 2000, I would say 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, that's cool. And then I saw you were the one running it and I was like, ah, oh, that's even, that's, that's good. You know, it's from, from someone that's actually played soccer in the past. Right. And, yeah. but then I, I moved to Austin and, and it was, just, you know, f- you know, going to a new job and a lot of this stuff. And I've always thought mm-hmm. like, I mean, and I saw, and I saw, and I kept, and I followed Sphere ever since pretty much it came around and I started seeing the growth and, you, and I started seeing how you were like actually doing it with people. You were, out there working out with people, you were playing soccer with people. And I think that's, that's pretty much, you were doing like a community outreach. Yep. That's, that's exactly what it's been. And that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, my favorite part of fitness was when Dominic Kinnear would run with us, Mm -hmm. you know, like when he, like our coach was out there in the trenches, like that's the worst part, you know, like, Hey, get on the line, you know, and you know, you're about to suffer, but your coach gets on the line with you and works out pretty powerful and um you know one of my one of my things with the use in dynamo was we were the ones that built that team mm-hmm. like the players like i remember asking our staff for a hundred tickets uh, they'd be like hey mike Stu, holden how many tickets you guys need to be like hey i need like a hundred mm-hmm. how many you need like uh, I, at least and we were going to bars and clubs, just having fun. But we were also like, hey, come see us play. Hey, come on, play. let's go. Like, That's pretty it'd cool. be like a Sunday league team, you know, telling you like, hey, come see us play. Like, mm-hmm. that was us, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so when you when you talk about grassroots marketing, I know everything about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I built Sphere, was basically building community and locker rooms. But I just tweeted about this, too, because I'm really, I'm really shaking the tree with this whole new general manager position for the Dynamo. I definitely want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But everything that I know as a business owner is from my time with, with my team and in the locker room with that team in 06, 07, mm-hmm. because we didn't win just stepping on the field. Like we won because we were brothers. We were, we won because we had a culture in our locker room that fostered a safe space for all of us to enjoy. You know, like we looked after each other's families. Like we took care of each other um, on and off the field. And, you know, there was a, a sense of this energy about it that you can't, you can't create, you can't read about it. You can't talk about it. You know, can't get to get a degree and, and implement it. It doesn't happen, you know, and it only happens organically with the right people, with the right, with the right atmosphere. And, um, and my North star for my business was to recreate that. I said, if I can get that feeling, mm-hmm in those locker rooms with, with people, that's then it. you know what? The rest will take care of itself. And that's, that's all I measure my business based off of a feeling and an energy and an atmosphere that is not, not contagious. Cause that's obviously what you want it to be, but more importantly, just that has the same feel from what, um, from what it was when I was with the team when we, when we won guys, I gotta, I gotta jump off here in like a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling up to my facility right now. So, um, 
I'd love to continue the conversation maybe in a round two, if you guys want, please come out to the Austin um, community workout if you're interested, but you guys got a final question for me or anything else to close out? No, just that. What would you like to say to, to the people out there, you know, that, that want to, you know, to pursue yeah. the, the soccer career? Yeah. I mean, in anything in life that you want to pursue and whether it be soccer or whether it be dancing or, you know, just being a good father, you know, you've got to be willing to, 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 to be selfless and, you know, to, and to be humble, um, to give more than you get. And, um, more importantly, just be willing to, um, to be your authentic self, you know, and follow your, your heart and your gut. Um, not your Instagram page or your parents dream, you know, and I think at the end of the day, you know, if you wake up every single day doing what you love, you'll be really happy, you know, and it's not easy. Um, and if it is easy, then it's not worth it. And if it's too easy, then you're probably going to jail cause it's probably illegal. <laughs> right. So just, um, just, you know, a side note, if you ever want to find me at Mike Chabala on uh, all platforms, I am a DM away and you could literally DM me and I'll answer you because that's what I think soccer players in this country are so great for and why our league has grown so much is because our players are touch touchable mm -hmm. and, um, and you can interact with us just that easy. And, um, you know, if you're interested in connecting with someone more than your phone, if you're interested in, you know, finding a community or being a part of a team, um, we're in 16 different cities now and, you know, we, we, we have 10 different facilities we're growing, but more importantly, you know, you can, you can find, you know, like-minded people that are all just looking for human connection. And I think that's something that we've all been missing and that has been stripped from us over the past couple of years now. And, um, I, I, I will all end on this is that the reason also that I created sphere is because I felt like our world was so connected, but very disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I went into a spin class and everybody was on their phone <laughs> and I couldn't talk to the girl next to me because she thought I was weird or like, I'm trying to make a conversation. She's, she's literally sitting there on Instagram or talking to somebody else. And like, I went into a locker room where everybody had to be off their phone and you shook hands with everybody before you took your seat. Those are the same principles and rules that I created my business off of and what I implement in all of my teams. And, you know, for, for that reason alone, like it's not because we have a cool logo or it's because of me, it's because people are being able to authentically connect and have a place to play where they're not judged by their political beliefs, vaccination status, right? Color of their skin or, you know, preference in sex. It doesn't matter, you know? And that for me is why the beautiful game is the most popular sport in the world because anybody can play. So, hey, Damo, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on, hey, okay? Thanks, man. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Hey, sounds good. Have a good day. Bye. Ciao.